What up, what up? Welcome back to the There's More podcast. This is Hannah Nitz. This podcast exists because I am obsessed with talking about the more. The more there is to experience in your relationship with God. I've been a Christian my whole life, and just in the last year have I started to uncover this amazingness Of this personal, interactive, deep relationship with God, there's so much more that I didn't know about, and now I want you to know. So last month, we did an episode called I'm Canceling Your Quiet Time. And that episode came together because as I've talked to other men and women who have experienced the more with God, this common theme I keep seeing is their their daily interaction with God changes. Like the way that they did, you know, quiet time, which we cancel that word, but time with God shifted radically and they wanted more and more of it. So did this whole episode about canceling your quiet time and what it looks like to pursue God and why this is so important and so exciting and so amazing to experience. And at the end of the episode, I asked for your questions. Y'all delivered. The questions came in. So today's episode is questions we received from listeners, from you all, about your time with God, getting practical about spending time with God and what that looks like. And I brought the lineup, y'all. These questions are going to be answered by your loud friend, myself, by Noelle Beck, by Laura Veal, And a new guest to the There's More podcast, my mentor, author, love extraordinaire, Dr. Julie Slattery. So excited to have her join us as well. So the four of us are going to hit some of these questions to encourage you to experience the more in your daily time and interaction with God. Here we go. Our first question is about the big picture. As we're talking about time with God and spending time with God, I love what Carissa asked. She said, what is the focus or the end goal of our time spent with Jesus, both for that day and for the long term? What's the point and the big picture? I'm going to hand the microphone to Laura Veal to answer this one for us. Okay, so the end goal for time spent with God is the same both in the day-to-day and in the long game. And that goal is to love God. That's the first and the greatest commandment in the Bible. Um, You find that in Matthew 22, and then it's repeated just all throughout the scriptures. But I would confess that for years, when I was singing in church and we'd be singing songs about full surrender to God or loving God with everything in us, I would have my arms raised and I would be belting out the words. But in that moment, I would also have this weird tension. And I don't know if this is just me to think this way, but I would look around and I would think, nobody actually loves God this much, right? And now my fear is that that might actually be true for so many of us, that we would be wrapped up in religion more than we are wrapped up in this indescribable affection for our God, our Creator, our loving Father, our Sovereign Lord. And so here's what I would just implore everyone to consider. 
This is a statement that was absolutely true for me for so long. It's a quote from Bible teacher Jen Wilkin. And she says, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. We can love the idea of God. We can be grateful for what he does and how he makes us feel. But I argue that we cannot love God himself if our minds don't deeply know him. And this is true for any relationship. If my mind doesn't intimately know my husband, then my affections for him only go so far because the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. So the goal is to know God so that we can then truly and deeply love God. Now, are there times when I just want to curl up and pray and be in solitude with Him? Of course. Or times that my heart aches and I just need to read His promises over me or offer up my worship or journal. Yes, and these are beautiful things. But we must break the habit of focusing our interaction with God or using His Word merely to appeal to our feelings or our immediate needs. And we need to take that step of trusting that pursuing Him with our minds will open our hearts and our souls up to a love that we never imagined. The next question that we are going to dive into is from our listener, Diana. She said, how do you balance or separate your personal quiet time with things like church Bible study, um, Bible study homework, small group homework, preparing lessons to teach, the list goes on and on. Diana, this is such a great question. I'm going to pass the microphone to Noelle Beck for this one. She is a woman who I have watched for the last decade, always prioritize time with God, just her and God with no agenda. But she also uh, has led a nonprofit for 20 years. She also runs Aquaman on Purpose and um, these spiritual boot camps. And she's always leading and doing. Um, but I've learned so much on how she's prioritized time with God with no agenda. So I'm going to pass the mic to Noelle Beck. I love time with God. And I am so glad for this question because I think it is a good one. There's always this desire to have intimacy and time with God and to spend time with Him. But then there's also these other things that are spiritual that still kind of point us towards God, whether that's a small group Bible study or we're planning to teach, so we're studying or other sorts of homework or things that the church is doing as a whole. And so how do you balance between those two? And what I want to encourage everyone to do is to be intentional, to spend time with God without that agenda of teaching or trying to accomplish something. Um, similar to any other relationship, and I'm going to use my spouse as an example, uh, there's a difference between doing yard work together and going on a date. And so there is the same thing in regards to our relationship with God. Sometimes we're spending time with God or we're learning about God for a reason, but that is very different than spending time with God and interacting with Him and giving yourself time and space to just rest and to be with Him and to hear from Him and to engage Him wherever you're at personally. 
And the other thing is, the other reason I think that this is important is a lot of times when we are learning and growing on our own, it's out of that overflow that we can teach, that we can uh, serve others, and that we can do those things. So it's really out of our own personal growth and interaction with God that we are going to be the most effective and fruitful. Now, this still doesn't answer the time restraint question. Sometimes there's still time restraint in regards to all the different things that have to be done in life and families and household chores and all of these things. And now on top of it, you're trying to prepare for a Bible study and you're trying to spend time with God. And sometimes those things overlap and that's okay. Don't live in a space of guilt for that. But try and be intentional at times, well, even if it's not every day, but a chunk of time throughout the week that really is very intentional to be with just you and God. Because I do think that that is the most beneficial and the most helpful. And then it keeps us from being stuck in kind of this dual purpose. I'm going to spend time with God, but it's in order to accomplish the Bible study, but really just getting to be in relationship with the Father. Next, we're going to combine two questions into one. Uh, First is from Mackenzie. Does your time with God look routine every day? Example, at six o'clock, I always sit down to study, or is it random and more spirit-led? Grace then asked, I'm always looking for practical things to do. I didn't grow up in church, so sometimes I feel weird asking others what seems basic. Well, good news, bad news. It sounds basic, but believe it or not, many of us don't know the answer to this. And I will speak for myself. The past 10 years as an adult being involved in church and doing all these things, I was never taught or discipled on what my time with God looks like every day, which is mind-blowing because this is just the most important thing is our relationship with God is interacting with Him every day. So Mackenzie asked about, is this a regular thing? Is this more spirit-led? Regular. And I maybe you'll find someone else who has a different opinion on this, but every person who I talk to who I look up to for their relationship with God and how they interact with him and they desire more of him and they're experiencing this more. So for example, the three other women on this episode with me all have a regular time that is on their calendar, on their schedule, non-negotiable time with God every day. For the past 10 years, I looked at that and I thought it was legalistic. I thought it was boring. (laughs) I thought, certainly there's other things you can do. Like, can't you multitask and just like listen to a Christian podcast? But Mackenzie, as I, um, in, let me think, the beginning of 2019 said, God, I want to want more of you, but I don't. How that started And what God showed me for my next step was for 40 days in a row, every day at the exact same time, which for me was during my son's nap, spending time with God, not cleaning the house, not getting things done, not checking my emails, not working on client projects, not um, watching Netflix or listening to an entertaining podcast, but seeking God and spending time with him every day for 40 days. That rocked my life so much that I haven't stopped And again, not out of legalism, not out of I have to check this box, 
But out of this excitement and anticipation and desperation to get to spend this time with God every day. I mean, think about it like a date night or like spending time with your best friends. If you don't intentionally plan it, it does not happen. Very rarely do you just happen to find you and your spouse both with free time and um, available for a date. Like you have to plan and think ahead. And this is the same intentionality that I'm encouraging you to put into your relationship with God. And hey, if you're at a spot where you are not regularly spending time with God every day, that's okay. Like, don't listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, I have to now spend 12 hours a week with God. Start small. Start with 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day with God in the morning before you're going to bed at a lunch break. Can you just start to build this into your schedule and say to God, God, I want to be intentional with this. Will you help me to want this even more with you? Okay, so then when it comes to the practical side of what you're doing with this time, what are you doing when you're spending time with God, when you're engaging in relationship with Him? Man, we could do a whole podcast on this. I would say um, we talked about some of these things, and I'm canceling your quiet time. If you go back and listen to that episode, Laura and Noel both got very practical with relationship, with time in the Bible, Um, But I'm just going to share a few things for me and a peek into my time with God every day. One big thing is worship. And this does not mean just worship music. Noelle Beck taught me this. She said, worship is not standing up in front of um, the songs that are sang before church. Worship is adoration of our creator. And guys, sometimes my whole time with God is just worship. It can be listening to worship music, singing worship songs, You can be reading through the Bible. You can read Psalms that are just praising God, worshipful Psalms to read those out loud to God. You can draw out verses that are worshipful. You can, um, you know, my friend, my friend, the author and colleague for a while, Linda Dillo, taught me to write on a piece of paper from A to Z. And for each letter, write out an attribute of God that you can worship him in. This is just, worship is just adoration of your heart, praising God for who he is. And I didn't know that this was a way I could spend time with God because it did not feel productive. It wasn't filling out a Bible study. It wasn't reading so many verses. But friends, you will experience a whole new depth to your relationship with God when you start tapping into not just reading, not just to-do lists, but worshiping Him. It's amazing. Another huge piece for me in my time with God is the Bible. The Bible is bomb. I've talked before about um, using Simply Bible was a huge tool to help me know how to read the Bible for myself. But friends, if you're starting to figure out how to regularly build time with God into your life and what you do during this time, worship Him, but also seek to know Him through His Word. Sometimes this means it takes me a whole hour to read a verse because I'm reading the definitions, I'm reading the cross-references, I'm saying, God, what does this teach me about you? How can I know you? What does this mean for my life? And sometimes I try to read a huge chunk of scripture at one time. My friend Alicia Lay texted me today and said she read through the whole book of Mark as she was pacing her family room today for her time with God. 
Um, man, that's awesome. She read a whole book of the Bible, like engaging in knowing God through his word. And this is such a great way to spend your time with God. Last, I would just say prayer. Um, I have a journal that I use to write out prayers, but you don't have to write them down. You can say them out loud. You can say them in your head, but working to engage God by bringing him into your life, not just the worshiping him for who he is, not just the seeking to know him, but the honestly sharing like you would on a date, like you would with the best friend of where you are and what you're feeling and what you're struggling with and where you need him. Man, this interactive prayer with the creator of the world. So that's just a brief summary of what my time looks like with God. But friends, I just want to emphasize that it's not a formula and it's not the same thing I follow every time. Sometimes I am like, man, I'm going to sit down and read through 1 Corinthians. And then I put on a worship song. I start journaling to God and praying to Him. I then look up a psalm. I start reading through Psalm 100. And then all of a sudden, this word strikes me, like His steadfast love. And I just go down this whole rabbit hole of reading other verses about His steadfast love and praying and praising Him for His steadfast love. And all of a sudden, an hour's gone by, and I have life to go back to, and I didn't even get to 1 Corinthians. <laughs> so, um, man, t- think of this like going to coffee with a friend. You don't have the entire conversation scripted ahead of time. Instead, you're open-handed and saying, God, I want to engage with you. Will you show me how to do that and not just follow a formula or a checklist? So now let's move on to question number four. This one is from Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie wrote in and asked, I used to have no problem with this closeness with my walk with Jesus when I was single. Um, I could be in the Word. I could journal. I could worship Jesus whenever I wanted, and He was my first love. But since being married and now being a mom, I've struggled, not just because of time, but there's this complication in my heart. I feel like I need to choose between this closeness or intimacy with my husband and God. Uh, I struggle with having these two loves in my life. I really wanted um, my cousin and just all-around woman of wisdom answer this question, Dr. Julie Slattery. I got to work with Julie for five years at Authentic Intimacy, which is a ministry that focuses on God's truth and design for sexuality. And I just knew with her ministry and her own life, uh, Julie would have some wisdom for Stephanie's question here. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Julie Slattery. Boy, this is definitely something that I can relate to as the mom of three sons and as the wife of a husband. We've been married for 25 years and having gone through many seasons where I just want to spend more time with the Lord. I just want to go deeper in His Word. And I remember those times as a single person where you poured out your loneliness, you poured out your thoughts and feelings, and you really ran to God for intimacy. Let's remember what Paul said. He said to the early church, if you can forego marriage and family, that's a great thing because that gives you more time to know God and it gives you more time to serve His people. And and so Paul is saying, when you get married, like this person is writing in, your interests are divided and you feel like, I want to be with Jesus, I want to serve Jesus, but yeah, there's this other person that I'm supposed to be one with and I'm supposed to be making my decisions with and spending time with. So you can think about it as if there's a competition, but over time, God is also 
helped me to see that being a married woman and being a mom in some ways is a completion of the intimacy that I have with God. Like, think about it this way. When Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you're going to bear much fruit. And so even the purpose of us abiding with Jesus and spending time with Him and worshiping and journaling is so that we give out. And in some ways, it's a lot easier to serve people that don't live in your own home. When you have to be unselfish and sensitive uh, to your spouse and to your children, that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where my selfishness shows up. That's where my pride shows up. And I know this sounds weird, but we can even be selfish and proud in how we feel about our time with God. I can feel like, oh, this is so important that I'm going to ignore my husband's need because I need to be with God. You know, that's a selfish perspective. You think about even what Jesus did. He could have spent much more time with the Father if he wasn't in public ministry. He could have spent much more time in prayer, uh, and he did spend time in prayer, but it was usually at night is when the ministry was done. He could have done more of that if he didn't have these disciples around him all the time, but he was pouring into them. And so think of your time with the Lord as receiving so that you can give out. And in this season of your life, the main place that you give out is with your husband and with your child. And so think about it not as a a competition or competing, but think about it as actually part of the completion of what it is to have intimacy with God. This next question is for parents or anyone who can say that they have a busy schedule or life. Melissa asked, how can you be consistent with your God time with little kids and to not get discouraged when your time doesn't feel or look the way that you want it to? Laura Veal is the perfect person to answer this question. She has three children under the age of four, a very demanding job, and just a busy life, but is always consistent and models this for me in prioritizing her time with God. So let's pass the mic to Laura. This is a great question for all the busy mamas out there. And if I haven't said it before, I have been blessed with three kiddos, four, two, and eight months. So I I am in the sweet trenches with you ladies, okay? Um, But I I am going to rewind to when I was pregnant with my second child. And just, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, as this ache for more of God was building, um, but it was, it was butting up against exhaustion and just feeling swamped by motherhood in general. Um, so during this time I went on this kind of ridiculous pursuit of, I I was looking for respected women beyond my stage of life who could look me in the eye and say, it's okay if you don't have time for God. I didn't and I turned out just fine or something like that. Um, It's actually quite comical because I called women, I texted, I emailed, I Facebooked so many women. And guys, God must have just been having a field day with this because he, he literally shut every single door to this kind of conversation. Like if I had five coffee dates scheduled, all five got canceled. If I sent an email, it mysteriously got overlooked. And it was kind of embarrassing at the time, but now I just laugh because I'm like, you were totally up to something, God. So anyways, um, I'm in the midst of this floundering pursuit for basically affirmed excuses. 
And essentially, instead of finding that one day, um, I'm listening to this sermon and I, and I hear this quote and it, it, it literally almost made me weep on the spot. Um, it's from C.S. Lewis and he says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Whoa. Like, like, come on. Guys, it was like this light bulb went off and, and suddenly I could not shake the reality of how, at best, God had become a moderately important tag along to my life. He, he was this thing that I fit in when I could or when I felt like it. But first, working out uh, or Instagram or meal prepping or chatting up a friend, whatever it was. But reality is, if Christianity is true, so if from the beginning of time, God had a plan for me and for you to be in relationship with him, a vibrant relationship with him now and for all eternity. And if God went to unimaginable lengths to restore the brokenness of that relationship by coming to his creation here on earth in the person of Jesus so that in his godly perfection, he could pay our debt of wickedness and in imperfection in order to restore that relationship. If that is true, then I got to wrap my heart and my mind around it because that is infinitely important. So if, if you know my story, which I shared in a previous episode, um, this realization, this wake up, along with a few other moments between me and God, sent me on a desperate pursuit of him. I was fully convinced that relationship with him needed to become the foremost priority each day. Everything else had to orient around my pursuit of God. So practically speaking, um, my like 7.30ish alarm became a seven o'clock alarm. Um, then my seven o'clock alarm became a 6.30 alarm. When my son was born, between my oldest kiddo waking before the crack of dawn and then my son, my baby, needing fed and constantly settled in those wee, you know, early hours, 6.30 just wasn't allotting enough time amidst those disruptions. So I remember being so frustrated by that but then sensing that God was saying something along the lines of like, um, like, can you trust me that no amount of extra sleep can give you eternal life? Which like sounds corny, but I'm not kidding. Like he said it. Okay. Not me. Um, and I remember telling my husband when I stand before God one day, babe, like I'm not going to give an account of how much sleep I got. So he was kind of wrecking me in this way. And so I kind of begrudgingly moved that alarm from 6.30 to 6 a.m. And then even to 5.45 at times, depending on the rhythm that my kiddos had fallen into. And um, yeah, it was just a fight to 
create time before before the day began and we all know how that goes with one two three four five kiddos doesn't matter um so then also practically speaking I got uh I did get my kids those clocks with the green light like this is super practical what I'm saying but those clocks the like um what is it I can't remember what they're called. It has the green light and, and I literally used it to train them to not come out a million times before the green light comes on. I think okay to wake. It's called the okay to wake clock. If you don't know about this and you are a parent, you must look into it. Um, so they still come out of their room, especially my oldest, but, um, but they know they have to go back in until the clock says that they can join me downstairs. Um, and so I use these clocks for rest time too. And I mean, basically like boundaries, y'all. Mama needs them. My kids need them. So yeah, here's my point though. There is nothing more important in our lives than our relationship with God. It is infinitely important. And if, if I could continue to treat my relationship like it was a, like a moderately important tag along, it kind of just forced me to stop and wrestle with the question, do I really believe it's important at all? And if it is, it was time that I would stop at nothing. If it was infinitely important, I had to stop at nothing in pursuing it. Okay, so now, real life, it happens. Um, The question also asked, how do I not get discouraged when time doesn't go as planned? So, like... Like earlier this week, when the morning gets interrupted by a two-year-old smearing poo. Sorry if that's gross. Or my oldest has a 20-minute meltdown because she saw a spider on her curtain. Um, Or when my perfect angel baby decides not to be a perfect angel baby from 4 a.m. on. Whatever it is. How do I not get discouraged? Realistically, sometimes I do. Okay, like I'm human. Uh, this is true for all of us. Um, unmet expectations. They can be so frustrating, even for recovering perfectionists. That's what I call myself. But, um, but yes, my, my time with God, I always remind myself, this is so key. It is about the long game. It is not about instant gratification. It's not about a daily deposit to gear me up for what's to come. Um, It is about a patient pursuit that builds and builds on itself. Today's time doesn't make or break it. So let it go. And then secondly, knowing God through his word has opened up my heart and my mind and my soul to this whole other depth of relationship with him. Like if I didn't have the best study time this morning, no biggie. I'm still going to be chatting with him and praying to him and worshiping him amidst the chaos and the ordinary all day long. Because guys, like through his word, God has revealed himself and he is the best thing ever. Okay. But again, real talk, this chatting and this praying and this worshiping, it doesn't always come with butterflies and rainbows, unfortunately, um, as the kids need everything under the sun all at the same time and my brain feels like it's going to explode I'm reminded at least once again of my need for him as I fumble through the day and that in and of itself is worship 
If the day is a whirlwind and I almost get swept away, though, I just, I, my head hits the pillow that night and I literally cannot wait to sit in quiet before my creator the next morning. So there's no, there's no guilt in it. It's just your heart knows what it wants and what it needs. And just through this journey, it, that has become God and he's the best thing and the most important thing. Um, my final thought in answering this great, great question, Melissa, is especially in this season, but even if you're not a parent, um, we have to have the discipline to set a place and time to be with God and stick to it because between unending demands, countless, like countless distractions and the full range of unexpected that each day brings plus the insane amount of effort that I promise you Satan is putting forth to draw us away from God every second of every day. If we don't set a time and place to show up, we are almost guaranteed that we ain't going to get there. So for me, it's early in the morning, which keeps getting moved earlier and earlier. For you, maybe it's nap time or after the kids go to bed or whenever. Um, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that it is infinitely important and that we know it and we carve out the time for it. And our last question today is from a listener, Matt. He said, is your time with God always great? Sometimes when I walk away, it feels so-so and I'm not super encouraged to keep going. Noelle uh, is such a great example to me in this because she has been spending time with God intentionally this way for over a decade and shares very open with me about these mountaintop highs, but also when it's difficult. So here we go from Noelle Beck. As I've been thinking about some of these conversations that you and I have been having for the last year and even as I've been running these boot camps, I think something that keeps coming up is I talk often about how spending time with God is honestly the best thing ever and it really is the most fulfilling and um, it's the greatest adventure and all those things are 100% true. But I also was recently thinking about it and wanted to just normalize a few things. And I remember us, when you first started engaging God more, Hannah, um, that you would say at times, like, well, but watching these other shows would be more fun at times, right? And so it's not 100% of the time a mountaintop experience with God. There are days that it is in these moments when you recognize like God the creator really wants relationship and just showed up or showed me something that I've been thinking about or um, has interacted with me in a personal way and honestly that is one of the most amazing feelings at least it is for me I'm 41 years old I've been a Christian for a long time and yet when the creator of the universe interacts with me in a, even a small way, I am still astounded by it and so encouraged by it. So when I say time with God is the best, and when I say like nothing is better, it's honestly true. But I also need to say there are days that I get up and I spend time with God and it's not a mountaintop experience and I still feel kind of sleepy and I walk away and I say, okay, that was good. Like, 
just like any other relationship, sometimes I hang out with a friend and I haven't seen him for a while and we see each other and we interact and it's just like, oh man, I just needed that. I needed that person. I needed that interaction. And other times it's the exact same person and maybe we do the exact same thing, but I don't walk away feeling that way. And that's okay, again, to remind yourself that you're still... um, a person and you're in a relationship with God. And so sometimes you don't have that warm, fuzzy feelings, just like you don't in real relationships. And sometimes you just don't feel like it, right? The world is still distracting. Uh, Sin is still distracting. And that's still true. So I could have a mountaintop experience with God and hours later be wrestling in my own brain with sin and temptation. And the enemy always wants to divide and distract. And so one doesn't discount the other. So I think the temptation at times is to say, well, how could I, right? This is the question I ask myself. Like, how could I have such a powerful experience with God this morning and feel his presence? And there's several songs out right now that I love because they talk about like, there's nothing better than being in his presence. And I listen to those songs because I really believe it. There's nothing better than being in his presence. And in the same day, just hours later, uh, I'm freaking out and really angry at somebody or other sin or temptation can come into my mind or fill in the blank, right? Like, and the temptation is to say, like, how could I have this mountaintop Jesus experience and then go to... Um, my own sin and flesh. Well, as my friend said, my flesh is all over me, right? And I like that phrase. And actually, John, uh, not John, Romans 8, 6 says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And we know that, right? When we, when we follow our flesh, it never leads to the same fulfillment as our spirit. But it doesn't mean that we're not at times wrestling between our flesh and our spirit And so I just want to say those things because maybe you're all amped up and you've been listening to Hannah's podcast or you've been part of something and you're like, yes, I'm going to go spend time with God. And that's awesome. And then you go and you do it and it's not like as exciting as you were hoping. And so I want to encourage you in a couple ways. You are going to have days and moments that it's not that exciting. And you're just going to continue in that relationship Because you'll recognize that you're still growing deeper weeks, months, years later. It's similar to physically working out. Like maybe you're not noticing it in that moment, but if you keep working out every day for a month, you'll notice it at the end of 30 days. Maybe you don't feel this mountaintop experience of closeness with relationship with God in that moment, but 30 days later, 60 days later, a year later, you actually recognize you have a much closer, more intimate relationship with God. So... Sometimes I talk about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, uh, if you think of, <laughs> I think of Moses wandering on the desert. It was 40 years. 40 years they're roaming around the desert. And the Bible talks about it in 100 pages. Now we hear about the parting of the Red Sea and the way that God provides manna and all these things. And we think, man, in some ways we just see the exciting parts. But there was a lot of days that was just the everyday. And so remember in relationship with God, there's still a lot of the everyday, just like it is in any other relationship. We get so excited. We can't wait to get married and spend the rest of our lives with our spouse. And so often that still lands in the everyday, right? It's not these mountaintop experiences with our spouse. It's like, well, 
who's going to clean up the dishes. So just remember that. Also recognize that um, sometimes what we need is to turn off and sometimes we need to recharge. And those are two different things. Um, I am not against watching Netflix for a stint of time and relaxing and turning off my brain and eating pizza. And that is a different kind of rest. And so there are times when we're worn out and we've had a long day or week or season, we need to disconnect. There are other times that we need to recharge. And it is only through God that we can recharge. That's the reality of it. Um, it's similar to our phones. I heard this analogy by Joe Caruso, who's a pastor at Grace Church. And one day he was talking about how if your phone is dying, there are times that you just tr uh, turn off your phone and you put it to the side, right? You can't use any more of its battery power. But the only way to start using it again is to actually charge it into its uh, charging source. And so that is God for us. So sometimes you don't feel like it. Um, I don't, I would rather just binge watch something on Netflix than go engage God, but continue to still find that time to engage God. Cause what you ultimately need is to recharge. God will always recharge you, but it does take some just engagement of him. And so I just wanted to speak to those things and normalize maybe some of the feelings that you're experiencing. You may not always have those mountaintop experiences in the actual interaction with God. You may not always feel like it, but those are normal feelings. So if you are moving towards and wanting more of God and you start to engage it and you experience either of these, don't be discouraged. Don't throw it all away and say, well, I guess, I guess I'm just not going to be able to experience God. There is more of God for you. I know this. There's no limit for the amount of God that we can know or experience. Um, so there is more of God. We have to continue to pursue him, right? The, we will get out of it what we put into it. Um, but don't get discouraged. There will be moments that we don't experience this kind of super high, warm, fuzzy feeling. There will be moments our flesh and our sin and our distraction gets in the way. Don't let those things throw you off and say, okay, well, I guess I'm done with that. Continue to pursue God. I promise, promise, promise it is absolutely worth it. So my podcast life actually started five years ago when I was working for Authentic Intimacy and uh, Julie Slattery, who you heard from today. I would occasionally be on her podcast, which is called Java with Julie, which is the bomb if you don't already listen. And recently, Julie sent me an old episode from about three years ago, and it was an episode about growing closer to God and this intimacy with God. And it was myself, Julie, and Linda Dillo. And Julie and Linda were going back and forth talking about their enjoyment of their time with God and how much they desire more time with Him and their time with Him every day. And on the episode, <laughs> I start crying. And I was saying, it's so weird listening to you guys talk about this because I don't have this desire for more of God. And it's hard for me to even relate to what you're talking about. I would rather go to a party than hang out with God. <laughs> I said this three years ago on Julie's podcast. So 
I just re-listened to that this week and I was just blown away at man that that sentiment that I was expressing three years ago versus me on this other side here today the one on the microphone yelling about enjoying time with God and friend the reason I share that story is if that's you like if you listened to this episode and was like what the heck why do Laura and Noelle and Julie and Hannah talk so passionately about this And when I sit down with God, it's boring and flat and repetitive. Y'all, I was there. (laughs) Three years ago, I literally was crying on a podcast about it. So today is not meant to feel like guilt or things you should be doing or like none of this is mandatory for your relationship with God. None of this is part of the equation on like what gets you into heaven or any of these things. This is just an invitation to the more. This is me talking to myself three years ago as I was crying on that podcast saying, sweet friend, there's more for you to experience in God. And these are some steps on how you get there and how you pursue a relationship with him. So friend, I would love to hear from you more of your story, how this podcast is hitting you or impacting you or questions you have. Head to hannahnitz.com and click up on the top where it says, say hello. Or head over to Facebook. Just look for There's More Podcast. I do this every week. I yell on the microphone. I do these episodes because, friend, I want you to taste it. I want you to experience it. And for myself and everyone who was on this episode and you who are listening, I just want you to know that there is more.